God bless everyone here this evening. You Facebookers out there, now it's very similar to, you know, Facebookers, but for the Facebookers that's out here tonight, I wish you could see this congregation that's here. There's a great crowd here in this building this evening, and a good spirit here amongst us, and um, I, uh, I always enjoy preaching to these people on Facebook because they need a lot of preaching too. They really do. Now, they might not admit it, sitting there in their pajamas and taking it easy, but they need preaching too. They really do. Anyways, uh, good to be here with you all this evening and uh, came down Friday to speak over at Keene Mountain graduation and uh, was over there this morning at Keene Mountain and boy, we had a wonderful service down there at Keene Mountain this morning, wonderful service. And, uh, and I thought, man, as, as soon as I get back over here in cell phone country, cell phone signal land, I'm going I'm to see how the service went over the tabernacle. And uh, whenever I called Brother Philip, and actually I drove back, drove by the church here, and y'all was just kind of letting out. It was probably about 12, 25, 12, 30, and y'all was just uh, piling out of this building. And Brother Billy said, man, we had a, a, a big one this morning, great service. And, uh, and boy, I'm glad God's working here, he's working there, he's working everywhere, isn't he? And this is what we need, isn't it? This is what we need. And I pray the Lord will help us tonight. Thank you for your giving. That's not what I come for, uh, for but uh, may the Lord bless you for your giving. Tonight, from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is where I'd like to read from this evening. Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter number 27. That's where I want to begin reading. A lot of reading tonight, but I hope this will make sense to you, what I'm going to say. And uh, as far as I can remember... I've never preached from this from these chapters before here in the end of the book of Acts, but I'll do my best to uh, preach to you tonight. Acts chapter number 27, and uh, look at verse number 10. And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. What's Paul doing? He's giving them a warning about what's fixing to happen. Uh, look at this in verse number uh, 14. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind. And this type of storm had a name attached to it. Eurachlodon. That just sounds kind of terrifying, doesn't it? Eurachlodon coming out against them. And then in verse number uh, 22, and now I exhort you, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. Verse 25, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Well, that's some more good news there, isn't it? Verse number uh, 33, look at this one. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting and have taken nothing. Now, I'm going to give you the... the um, a little bit more insight on this chapter here when I get finished reading these verses. Verse number 41, 
and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. Remember what Paul said there in the very beginning of our reading this evening? This voyage, this ain't a good idea, guys. That's what Paul's really telling them. This is not going to be a good idea. When you get to verse, these other verses, Eurachlodon comes out against them. They're stuck in a place for 14 days, barely got anything to eat. And then now the ship slams up against the rocks. The ship is aground and the four part stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. Notice how descriptive this story gets. And uh, in verse number 42, the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners. Now remember, Paul is a prisoner here in this setting. The soldiers' wisdom or their counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. They was going to kill everybody on purpose. But this centurion steps in and says, Wait just a minute, fellas. You ain't going to do that right now. And commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and then get to land. I love this verse here. Heavily preached from verse 44. The rest and the rest, the rest of them that couldn't swim, that didn't have strength to keep on kicking. The rest, the rest, some on boards some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Boy, ain't that beautiful? Now, a few verses earlier here, there's 276 people in this congregation. 276 people on board this ship. And they all escaped. Every one of them escaped. Chapter number 28, let's read on. Chapter number 28, verse number 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. In other words, they were very, very kind to us. They showed us a great deal of kindness. They kindled a fire, received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. Verse 3, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, and there came a viper, a viper, a snake out of the heat, fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man's a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while, they saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds. They changed their minds. You know, people can change their minds. That's all we're going to read. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about these scriptures here this evening and try to draw a text out of it. People can change their minds. Just because they say one thing, just because they're looking on purpose in one way, 
does not mean that as time goes on and things begin to happen and shift around them, that they're always going to believe what they say that they believe. They changed their minds. Now, I've read all that to you this evening and give you all of those scriptures because I want to preach to you tonight on something that uh, my late uncle, J.C. Fletcher, he passed away here back in uh, January. Uh, he was, he was a, uh, a, quite a businessman. He was in the hay business for several years and hauled hay from southern Ohio down to the University of Kentucky in Lexington. And uh, he was one of the sharpest businessmen that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And every time I would go see my Uncle Jay and go spend a little time with him, and I always loved gathering up all kinds of great information that he would give me, he would ask me what I was going to do. And I would say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just stopping by. I've got to go maybe over to the car auction, or I've got to go over here to this other place of business. And whenever we would part ways, he would always say this one phrase. And I never really could figure it out. But this is what he would say, David, be safe. And remember, get the score. Let me say that again. David, be safe and remember, here's my text tonight, get the score. My whole life he would always say that. Get the score. Well, make sure you give me the score now. Make sure you get the score. I thought to myself, Uncle Jay, what in the world are you talking about? Get the score. I'm not going out to play any basketball game right now. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going out here to, uh, you know, uh, 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 go into uh, some sort of ball game or anything like that. And you're telling me to get the score. What he was really telling me is, before you make a purchase on something, view your competition. Get, gather all the information you can together. And then weigh those two hand in hand and get the score at the end of the day. Which one is better? Now, I want to preach to you tonight if God would help me on get the score. Because I think that the devil would have us to believe that he is in the lead. Vaccines, masks, mandates, health department, news media, shaming the churches. He would have you to believe that he's got the scoreboard. But I must preach tonight and try to remind you good people here that's fighting the fight, that's standing in the gap, that's doing everything in your power to keep this thing going forward. Hey guys, remember, get the score at the end of the day. The Apostle Paul, a tremendous character to read about, Wrote the majority of the New Testament. Wrote more, just about more words than anybody else in the New Testament. Maybe Luke wrote a few more words in there. But Paul, in these last several chapters of the book of Acts, is doing his very best to appeal before Caesar. He's doing his very best to make it to Rome. I really believe whenever we read about the life of Paul that he had it in his mind that he could greatly influence the highest authorities on the face of planet earth through his conversion story. And whenever you read about all the ones that Paul goes and appeals to throughout these last several chapters here in the book of Acts, he goes before Felix, goes before Agrippa, goes before all of these 
very, very high up type of people. Goes before all of them on his way as a stepping stool, climbing the staircase to Rome. It was Paul's desire to go to Rome. It was Paul's wish and his prayer that he could appeal before Caesar because maybe if he could give his testimony eyeball to eyeball to the most powerful man on the face of planet earth, that if that man can see that even a man as Saul of Tarsus had a change of heart, then God could change his heart as well. It was Paul's desire, it was Paul's wish that he could make it to Rome. But I never dreamed that Paul ever thought that this would be the carriage to take him there. The road was tough, the pathway was difficult, the trail was narrow. For, for, throughout several times in the stories of Paul about how he was left for dead at certain places after giving his testimony of what God had done for him in his life, how they beat him, stoned him, left him for dead. He appeals to all those in the Jewish world, goes before those great councilmen of the Sanhedrin and said, I once sat where you sat and just remember, ever thought that you had, I had it before you did. Paul is keeping the score on what's going on. He's watching and seeing as these great conversions are taking place throughout all of his ministry. And he is is, is totally convinced that he's going to make it to Rome in appeal before the greatest court with the greatest minds, with the greatest legal minds on the face of the planet. Paul journeys and then in Acts chapter 27 where we pick up our text this evening, they're beginning to embark upon a journey. They're getting ready to board a boat. They're getting ready to head into a direction that's leading him closer and closer to Rome. He is taken as a prisoner. He's there shackled in chains. And it seems like that these preachers were not shackled by golden belt buckles riding on 10 million and 15 million dollar aircrafts like a lot of our preachers are nowadays. He was not riding in style in Rolls Royces and Mercedes Benz and wasn't able to spend $100,000 on vehicles to take him from point A to point B. But oftentimes the preachers of the book of Acts, the reason those men turned the world upside down is because they had a burden. They preached with anointing and they had authority. Now bear with me tonight. I'm going somewhere with this. Paul jumps on board this boat as a prisoner. And he's taken off into this ship. He warns those that are in control of the ship, fellas, I don't think we ought to do what you're thinking we ought to do. I got a bad hunch about this. I can imagine as they thought in their mind, what good does this prisoner know? What, what, what does, does this preacher prisoner have any sort of divine insight on what we're, about to, uh, what we're about to do? We've cruised these waters in the Mediterranean for years and we know when it's a good time to go. But Paul warns them again and says, fellas, I think there's going to be a lot of trouble in the days ahead. You see, the scorekeeper that Paul knew... The scorekeeper that Paul knew, 
he had a direct communication with. And he knew that out there on the seas in the days ahead, in order to make it to Rome, the winds would begin to become unbalanced, out of sort, and would eventually blow that ship to pieces. Paul warns them against that, but nevertheless, God made sure that Paul had a ticket stamped to go to Rome. As they journey towards that, they run into the first problem. The first problem is the great Eurachlodon. How many here tonight has felt like this past summer has been a Eurachlodon type of summer? I mean, everything is shut down. Winds have hit us from all types of different direction, from places that we never thought was possible. If you could put a name on this summer, I'd say it's a Eurachlodon type of summer. He comes against the storms, and yet still those, those, those leaders of the ship want to keep on pressing on and going forward. Paul heeding them every step of the way as what to do. They go to an island that is called Claudia. There on that, on that island, they're stuck there for 14 days. The ship had uh, ran, uh, nearly ran aground there and they had, they, had, they had camped out there and things was bad. But nevertheless, Paul tells them and gives them some good news in the middle of this storm. Sirs, I've heard from God, be of good cheer. You know what I want to tell us tonight? Sirs, be of God, I've got good news for you. Be of good cheer. Ye are of God, little children. Be of good cheer. Don't be sad. Don't be dragging behind. Be cheerful about this. Because the angel of the Lord that has brought us through this storm will take us all the way through. Don't be saddened. Don't be disappointed and don't be discouraged. The angel of the Lord is standing right beside of us. I read Friday morning on my way down to Keene Mountain. I read that adult-aged Americans, 50% of adult-aged Americans, 50% have contemplated suicide since April. Staggering statistics. I want you to be reminded this evening. Listen folks. If we do not get a hold of God right now. There are people that are in this church. That their names are on the roll. And they're walking through a dark valley. And if we don't have revival every time. These doors open up. They might not make it. There's a reason that God has allowed the church to continue to this day. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. The angel of the Lord is still standing by us. Angel of the Lord stood by me. Don't worry. Be of good cheer. The score... It's still not settled up yet though. There's 276 people on board. And, and Paul and those 276 have still not made it to their destination. As they continue on after that 14 days of finally eating some meat and getting a little meal. They decide, I think we'll try it again fellas. 
And so they tried again, and this time another wind hits them out of nowhere and slams them smack into the rocks on the little island called Melita. Now, there's a big difference in Rome and Melita. The food ain't so good in Melita. The room service is as good as they could be accommodated with, but it sure isn't Rome. And the worst part is, now that they've slammed into these rocks on this, on this island of Melita, that the front part of the ship looks like it's going to stay intact. And it looks like that those guys on the front part of the ship is going to be alright. Only problem is, I think Paul and the rest of them is on the back of the boat. And the back of the boat is beginning to reel and rock. And you talk about a Titanic story, brother. This, this baby was about to crack right in half. And the soldiers counsel with each other and say, we got to kill these prisoners because, <laughs> I mean, you think like a soldier would, just some wicked old guy thinking to himself, I've got to report to my commandant after this, and I've got, to, I've got to give an account of all these men, and if we go ahead and kill them and let their bodies just wash out somewhere else, we can say, the storm got them. You follow me tonight? But Paul has a friend in this centurion, and this centurion says, no, don't kill them. Listen to what this guy's saying. <laughs> He's got something to tell us back here. I mean, if, if you remember, whenever, we, whenever you clowns first took, took, took a, a board on this boat and, uh, and, and you got us out there in that, in that crazy storm out there, that was, that, that was this guy that told us, don't leave this place. It's dangerous ahead. The winds are out there. You know what, church? We need to listen to the man of God. We need to listen to preaching. We need to hear what the Lord has to say. Because if we don't, we can get in a storm that we might never get out of. There is a there is a premium that we all must listen to the word of God from God's man. Centurion says, listen to this guy. He's the one that's predicted everything exactly right. It's almost like Paul is keeping score. And Paul tells him, I tell you what to do. Those of you that's got the strength to swim out of this thing, go ahead and swim out. Boy, I'm glad for the good shouters that we've got that can shout out of some things. I mean, when they get down, you get a good song going. And there, like Brother Joe Bill Houston said years ago, there's rabbit that gets in his feet. and just hop their way right on out of the valley. I mean, there's people that can kick and they can swim their way to safety. But then there's others that all we can do is get a hold of broken pieces. Get a hold of a boat. 
boat that's torn up. Get a hold of something that will help us float on the shore. Brother and sister, if you can kick your way out of this, by all means, kick your way out of it. But if you've got to, grab a hold of something that will float you to shore. But by all means, do whatever it takes to get to shore. We don't need any more casualties. I said we don't need any more casualties. I feel the Lord helping me. We don't need any more defeats. What we need is God to show us the score. Oh, I'm feeling better right now. You Facebookers are missing it. Praise God. I mean to tell you, Paul said, centurions, soldiers, those that are well abled body men, let those guys swim their way on the shore. But for those that seemingly cannot muster up the strength, listen, you might be here in this building tonight and you might not have the strength to kick your way out of it and to get to land, but grab a hold of something that will cause you to rise to the top. I don't think that those that had to ride on broken pieces grabbed a hold of the treasure chest full of money and gold and silver. Because guess what? That'll sink, brother. I said, that'll sink. I think they grabbed a hold of maybe something like the cross was made out of that could bring them back to a place of safety. Get a hold of the cross. Get a hold of the broken pieces. And remember, save it. Remember, save the scraps. Because God will put it all back together once you make it ashore. ask you this has the Eurachlodon summer left your boat in broken pieces y'all still here tonight what was I here last month and a half ago two months ago has the Eurachlodon summer left your boat into nothing but shattered mess dreams shattered Hopes shattered. And now all you've got left to ride on, Paul, is a broken piece of a ship that was one time intact. Broken pieces, broken pieces, broken pieces, broken pieces, broken pieces. Things that don't fit together anymore. It's so broken that not even, not even those men could repair that boat they could not even repair it once they got to the... I mean, they were in a great deal of trouble. All those broken pieces that they couldn't manufacture a boat fast enough to get them to a place of safety. I want you to know that man can do a lot of good and they can do it quickly. But nobody can get you to safety like God can. Get a hold of broken pieces if you have to and ride it. They get a hold of broken pieces. Those that could kick and swim, swam their way ashore. And that takes us to the 28th chapter of Acts now. And when they were come to the island that was called Melita, there 
make them barbarians, barbarous people. Code name for Joe Biden's party. <laughs> you Facebookers are missing it tonight again. Barbarians, but they were nice ones. Praise God. They might switch their vote when they get in the, in the ballot box this, this November. Barbarians, but they were nice. Barbarians, they might not smell good, might not look good, might never see a toothbrush in their life. But brother, that's the best thing you've got going for you. Barbarians, meet them. It's a wet, cold, rainy night in Melita. Their bodies are worn out from kicking, swimming, riding on broken pieces. And I can imagine Paul sits down there on that island and then first begins to glance back over everything and says, God, what's the score now? What's what's the score now, God? You told me I need to go to Rome. I need to get there before the high courts. And Lord, I, I don't necessarily like your mode of transportation. And I necessarily don't like the way that, that, uh, that, that you're going to get me there. But God, what's the score? What Paul did not realize was the Eurocladon winds. And what Paul did not realize was that ship going aground. And what Paul did not realize was whenever they rocked on the rocky shores of Melita, Paul was about to step in to a three-month revival on his way to Rome. And I tell you, folks, one day you'll get to Rome, but have a little revival on the way there. Hallelujah. It's right if I come down here and preach to you. Sorry, camera people. Listen, I know Rome's a place that we're looking for. I know that the destination is that God would fill every one of these pews back up in this rich land's tabernacle. But listen, before that day arrives, before that time comes, why don't we have a little revival out here on Melita and see what God is able to do lift your hands all over the building the Lord's here what's the score what's the score Eurocladon winds violent winds And we just about take out the old marker, mark the game score, devil six, devil seven, devil eight, Paul Goose Egg. That's enough to make you want to give up. But Paul, don't give up now. It's only going to get worse. You ain't got bitten yet, but you're about to. Paul, probably marking off all those tallies. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The devil's up eight oh on me right now. What am I going to do? I, I think what I'll do, Brother Roger, I think I'll, I'll go down here. I see a few sticks. It's, you know what we need, Brother Nick, at those Saturday night bonfires at your house? We need old Paul. Actually, we might not need Paul. He might be 
sort of bad luck. You know, finding snakes out there in them sticks. Paul finds some sticks and thinks, I think the best thing to do here is build a fire. I think, I, I think the best thing, I mean, we're cold. We are COVID cold. We're, we're COVID cold. Whenever, whenever we don't even pray when we're not able to come in the building. I mean, that's COVID type of cold. I mean, it's COVID type of cold when we think, well, because we're not in, inside the building, no reason to pay tithes. That's COVID type of cold. I think what Paul was doing is, I know it's been COVID cold out here. I think what we need is a little fire. Somebody needs to bring some sticks. Somebody needs to bring some wood. And we need to build a fire. You know what the Richland Tabernacle needs? We need you to bring a fire. We need a fire to fall in this place. We need fire on the altar. We need fire in the singing. We need fire in the pulpit. God, let us build a fire. 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 Paul is doing exactly what Paul knows to do. He gathers up those sticks in his hands, brings them close to his chest. But always remember, be careful about the things you hold close to your heart. That snake, no doubt in my mind, was a cold snake. And that devil was still barely breathing. Still barely breathing. And Paul had a venomous viper right close to him. And he didn't even know it. Throws that bundle of sticks down. And you know the story. All of a sudden that viper jumps out of the fire Latches hold onto the hand of Paul in that venomous beast, lays its ugly fangs, dripping the venom into Paul's blood veins. And there, those barbarous people are watching as what is this man going to do? Is he going to die like the last man that got bit? Are y'all still here tonight? Are you going to give up in this valley of discouragement where the viper bites against you? Are they going to throw in the towel, lay down and die? Are they going to go callous? Are they going to go numb? Are they going to lose their vision of God? What's going to happen now to this man, Paul? You know what happens to this man, Paul? Same thing needs to happen to about... 80 of you tonight, you need to shake it off. I say you need to shake it off. You need to shake off this depression. You need to shake off this discouragement. I feel the Lord here in this building tonight helping me. You need to shake this thing off. You need to shake the devil off. I said you need to shake the devil off. You need to shake the COVID fears off. I said you need to shake the COVID fears off. We've got a fire built here. Let's keep it going. Viper grabs hold of Paul. 
And those barbarians watch. And they had their mind made up. The score was now about to be nine to nothing. Y'all still here in this building tonight? Loan me, loan me a few more minutes. I'm going to be up here much longer. They watch as the score goes from bad to worse to now it's devil nine, Paul zero, and now Paul the dead never made it to Rome. But God is the scorekeeper of this thing. I said, God is the greatest scorekeeper of us all. I want you to listen to me tonight. When Paul took hold of death on his arm and the devil went up nine to nothing in the what would seemingly be the last few minutes of this preacher's existence he goes to remembering I think if I can shake this thing off I think the score just might change if I can shake this thing off the devil told me that I'm going to die but if I can shake this off I think God's a saying when I saw thee polluted in thy own blood I said live I said live live Richlands Tabernacle shake this dead off and live let me tell you when God goes to evening up the score I love the way that God keeps score because the devil said it's nine to nothing. But God said, wait a minute. No, it's not. It's one to nothing. Preacher Paul now. Because you didn't kill him. You should have killed him in Eurachlodon. And you didn't get him there. You should have killed him on the island of Claudia. And you didn't get him there. That's a win for Paul. I think the score is ten nothing. Paul. And you have let the devil break bark over your head long enough. And it took me, what was that, five weeks? A month, let's just call them. It took me a month to try to tell this church the eighth hour is about over with. And there's a ninth hour that's about to happen. And the score is fixing to change. Paul didn't notice what God was keeping the score the whole time listen to this six major persecutions in the book of Acts on God's preachers in his church in Acts chapter number 6 after a great persecution took place the book says the word of God increased 
And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Keep score with me. The church, one. The devil, zero. Acts 9. Saul of Tarsus has been persecuting the church so greatly. Entering into every house. And their preacher Stephen has just been stoned. But the book says in 9 and 31. Remember David. Always be safe and get the score. I'm getting the score for you tonight Uncle Jay. In 9 and 31. The Bible said the church had rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria and were edified in walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were they multiplied. The score, the church too, the devil. Hallelujah. Herod has now just killed James with the sword and Peter is imprisoned. But the Bible says in Acts 12 and 24, But the word of God grew and multiplied. The church three. The devil. Here we go. Paul goes to Lystra. They don't like what he's saying. And he is stoned and left for dead. But what does the book say in Acts 16 and 5? And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. The church for the devil. I wish some of you would wake up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Demetrius throws Paul out of the city. Because he was disrupting his plans and he didn't like it. But the Bible says in Acts 19 and 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. The church. The devil. Can I preach a little more? In Acts chapter number 27 and 28. Paul is imprisoned for two years' span of time. He escapes Eurachlodon, is stranded on multiple islands, gets bitten by a venomous viper, and chained in a Roman jail for his concluding months. But the Bible says in Acts 28 and 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence. I tell you what the score is now. The church six. The devil. And listen to me right now saints. When you go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts really never concludes. But it continues going on and on and on. And I know that earlier this month we wasn't able to have the camp meeting 80 plus years. But I've come to remind the devil I've got the score. I've got the score. 86 years. The church. The devil. Zero. We're still going forward. The score is God wins. Stand with me over the building now.
preach too long. Hezekiah looks out and he sees 185,000 Assyrians. The devil 185K, Hezekiah and the congregation, zero. At the last minute, on the last day of the game, God said, Hezekiah, you need a friend like me. And in one night, God sends one angel in the cover of darkness to change the score. A hundred thousand strong for the church and the devil zero. I've come to remind us tonight that though it might be cold around us and though the temperature might not be like the way that we like it to be, but what happens to Paul whenever he gets to Rome and does his best to appeal before Caesar at the end of his life? He said, Lord, what's the score? And God says, right, Paul, young Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You know what that is? God always wins. Get the score, rich lands. God is going to win. Lift your hands all over the house. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. Love you, Jesus. Help us in this altar tonight, Lord. Your will be done. Last week I flew to Denver, Colorado. Estes Park, Colorado, right at the base of Rocky Mountain National Park. One of the most beautiful things, Brother Philip, I've ever seen in all my life. One of the most beautiful, scenic pictures of God's majestic creation I've ever looked at in all my life. Me and six of my cousins flew out there to do a little hiking and... Boy, it was just, it was amazing. You wake up every morning, Brother Matt, and you see a herd of elk about 100 yards from you. And I seen a moose there one day. And seen a, one of those big horned sheep. Boy, them things are terrifying to look at out there in the wild. I wouldn't want to mess with one of them things. I mean, you might think, uh, looking at National Geographic books or what have you, that you can tango with one of them, but I sure wouldn't want to. We'd start hiking, Sister April, 3.30, 4 o'clock every morning. Way before the sun came up, we would journey to those 12, 13,000 feet altitudes. Got up above the tree line, and the only thing I can describe it, it looks something about like the surface of the moon up there where he was. We was on a trail called the Trail to Chasm Lake. And uh, it was at the base of Long's Peak, the highest mountain there in Rocky Mountain National Park. I think it might be right there next, next door, brothers, to the Pikes Peak. We journeyed there toward Chasm Lake that day and started real early winding up through there back and forth. Tremendous terrain. I mean, completely wore me out. I had to use oxygen even to make it to the top, and I thought I was in pretty good condition. But, boy, you get a hold of no air up there. I mean, you'd be wanting some oxygen, too. By the end of this sermon, you probably do need some oxygen. 
so, Brother Roger, we, we got up above the tree line, and I knew. I thought my calculations was right on, Brother Randall. I thought my calculations was right on. This trail was four miles, and I thought, we have come to the end of four miles. I know it. I've walked four miles. I've walked four and five miles in this town before. But, boy, four or five miles up there in the Rocky Mountains is like 50 rich lands. I got good practice here. It's all one way. It's all one way up there in the Rockies, too, because the other way, you just go rolling down to your death. I thought, my calculations are right on. This has got to be it. We journeyed over around and seen this cleft of rocks. And off about a half mile in the distance was just a small pond-like. And I thought, well, the pictures looked a lot better than the actual scenery here did. You know, it's kind of like McDonald's. You think you're getting a real thick hamburger, and by the time they put that bad boy on there, it's shrunk down to just a little bit of morsel, you know. I thought it's kind of like that. We sat up there on those rocks, and I looked out, and I said, Well, fellas, we made it. About 12, 31 o'clock in the day, the sun was pouring down on us. We made it. There it is. There's Chasm Lake over yonder. And I noticed, I noticed, Brother David, over the side, it was all these little Japanese people that just kept on walking, walking, walking right past us. And I thought to myself, what in the world do they know that I don't know? What is it that they don't know that I don't know? And I, uh, I hollered down there at him. I said, I said, hey, where are y'all going to? They said, we're going to the lake. What are you doing? I said, I'm looking at the lake. They said, that ain't the lake. That's a puddle. Even Japanese folks know what puddles are. And so I teamed up with the Japanese caravan and marched on one more mile. I was one mile off on my calculations. But boy, once I got there to the top of that summit and looked down on that lake, a couple miles this way, a couple miles that way, I thought to myself, boy, I'm glad I wasn't a scorekeeper today. I want to tell you, You'll be glad. You'll be glad. You'll be glad that God has the final say in everything. And when you get to the summit of the mountain, you can look over and say, Boy, God, you always win. How many tonight would say, God, you always win? God, you always win. Get the score, Rich Lands. You're ahead in this game. Get the score tonight, Saints. You're ahead in this thing. God is going to deliver you. Shake the stuff the devil is putting on you. Shake that off. And live in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands all over the house. They're going to sing, I love you, Lord. Speak to hearts right now in this building. Yes, you can make it, Paul. 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 Go ahead, Brother Randy. Folks, this altar's open right now. Let's come around here. Let's talk to God. Yes, you can make it, Paul.